Ho! Welcome back, gamers and gentlemen. My name is Kuma, and today we're going to be talking about three games that influenced our gaming tastes. Before we get into our lists, I'm going to go ahead and introduce our guest for the day, my co-host, as always, Kibbles. How you doing, buddy? Hello again, Sean. It is good to be back. Uh, raining over here, which I love. I got myself my blanket. And I am curled oh, up. I thought you were like, <laughs> lift up your shirt. You're like, it's raining. Raining. Sure. <laughs> raining. <laughs> Solar flare. It's not, it's, uh, this, is, this is not Splash Mountain, Jeffrey. You can't do that. Oh. Uh, <laughs> wait, you can do that on Splash Mountain? What did no well, one tell me? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Have you not, I Gabriel Gracie's did it. Did you not hear? <laughs> you can do it. I don't know how much longer you'll be in the park after you do it, but you can do it. <laughs> Uh, but also joining us today is a guest from the Gamer Rassalon podcast show. You might have seen that. Ben, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing all right. I, I, I've also been enjoying the weather. I work from home um, and I, I, get to, I actually live in, um, uh, I think it's called an apartment. So I have a roof. Call it a flat. Okay. Yeah, yeah either one works. Yeah, but we have a roof and it actively keeps the rain out, which is actually really cool. Um, I, I really, I'm writing this down. How do you spell it? It's. I, I think it's R O O T H, but it's I, you might want to double check that. Got it. Yeah, you. It's. It's actually. It's just. It's just my friend Ruth. Uh, just our, our mutual friend Ruth Ann. She's just kind of running around with a tarp, trying to keep yeah. me dry. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been good. It's. It was nice to have a little bit of rain here in Los Angeles, uh, which it doesn't happen often, and we have more coming. And I'm very, very excited. And I love I'm, the rain. I'm erect with joy right now about how moist the, 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 the city has been today. I love it. <laughs> don't, no, don't make it weird. I'm specifically referring to my nipples, okay? Don't get creepy. Absolutely. Why have we never um, had Ben on here before? What the fuck, Tyler? <laughs> you even hide this guy from yeah. me? What the hell? <laughs> yeah. All right. And, and, and I'm oh. here. Tyler's here too, whatever. Okay. Uh, <laughs> So getting right into our list, and if you saw our last one, uh, I promise not to make this a 30-minute-per-person show again. Um, so everyone, at least most of the people here, I assume, grew up playing video games and have games that have affected your tastes. Mm -hmm. uh, games that you played early on just because you happened to stumble onto them, things that you found interesting for whatever reason, and those games have been influential in the things that you now seek out on pur purpose. Mm -hmm. So... Right off the bat, number one for me, I'm going to start with the, not the first video game I ever played, but the first one I actively saw it as like, I want to play this. Mm -hmm. It was Pokemon, specifically Pokemon Blue version. Nice. Um, so as a kid, I think I was about third grade when these came out. Um, I, I remember coming to school and seeing some kids run around pretending to be these things called Pokemon. Uh, some kid swinging his arm saying, I'm a Scyther. And one kid being like, I'm Charizard. Like, what? Me, me, of course, little third grade Sean uh, was like, the immediate thought was, what the fuck? Um, but yeah, of course. Yeah. No, that was the first thought that came into my head. Was, what the fuck are these pe people doing? These crazy ch children. Um, come to find out there was this crazy game or, or this, this, this cartoon called Pokemon. Because um, at the time, I didn't know what an anime was. I was like, it's a cartoon. Um I saw a couple episodes. I really dug it. Found out there was a game for the Game Boy Color. Of course, I started pet pestering my parents like any good eight-year-old. Um, I remember getting that game, and that game was my life for years. Yeah. Um, it 
the all the cool creatures, the fact that you could collect them, you had to fight your way up. At the time, I'd never played an RPG. I don't know what leveling was. I didn't know that Pokemon basically was an RPG. I still mm-hmm. didn't. That, I still had never connected Pokemon to being an RPG until probably my teens when someone said that. And I'm like, yeah, I guess you're right. Um, but to me, po- Pokemon also opened the door to seeking something out for being an anime. It got me into uh card games without pokemon cards i never would have got into Yu-Gi-Oh. i never would have gotten into magic the gathering uh my short stint with the dual masters card 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 game um i you know shit i even spent some money on neo on the neopets card game uh set that they had um just because you're the one person who did that i didn't even know there was one (laughs) i played some kid at toys r us once you know how much Um, they're worth no. You have to pay people to take them. That's how much they're worth right now. <laughs> take these off my hands, please. Um, so Pokemon to me, it, it definitely, I mean, I, I still play Pokemon. Anytime a new generation comes out, I might be a little slow on the uptake, but I, I almost always update. Um, it's there's, you know, I've never missed a gen. I haven't watched the cartoon in a long time. Have never really got too deep into the Pokemon card game. Not like I did with Yu-Gi-Oh! And especially not with magic, but it definitely started putting me on that road. Um, that would become an anime fandom that would become a card player. Uh, my next game that really affected a lot of my gaming taste was Final Fantasy X. Um, oh, now God, this I again, this again, okay. I I I had never heard of Final Fantasy until I was at a friend of mine's house and he was playing X. Hmm. Um, I didn't know what the game was. I didn't know what the franchise was. Um, all I saw was this really cool looking uh fight se- fight sequences these fully you know talking char- characters and you know at the time it's so lifelike um graphics still aren't bad today but still um looking back uh final fantasy 10 for me really opened up that world of traditional you know jrpg um the traditional grinding and leveling system i still think to this day that for the turn based right? combat what for you though for right? me yeah. Okay. For, good. For no, I was, I was like, I was like, there, there's nine other Final Fantasy games that did the same thing. No, 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 no. Because like the 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 turn based combat system to me is still like my preferred combat system in any RPG. Yeah. Um, same. I, I, you know, the the active time battle system in something like Final Fantasy VII, I, I I like it, but to me, until you get into the groove, it's almost a stressor because you're like, oh god, time's going by. What the hell? Mm. Final Fantasy X two, you did the same thing. It also had the ATB sit- system, although a little more dynamic. But I, I just liked the tacticality. Not not a word, but it is in this moment of mm-hmm. uh, um, the strategy. Strategy. That, that's a good. Thank you, Ben. Um, the the strategy of Final Fantasy X, being able to see your turn order, know how different spells affected it being able to plan out your attacks, um, getting to see these characters that actually had these fleshed out stories um, and weren't just these side people on in a game that didn't matter. Like something like Pokemon, Pokemon stories haven't mattered in a long time, arguably still don't, but at least have gotten better. Um, And really kind of like taught me that, you know, games can have these deep epic stories in addition to the gameplay. Uh, Finally, I think the other big, big one that's really affected me is world of warcraft um now i don't play wow anymore because i recognize that i have a problem um i'm actually if i can get myself to sit down and actually just do it i've been collecting opinions from people that have problems with addiction because i recognize i had an addiction problem with wow oh wow 
Um, I, you know, I'll get into that in the article that I eventually sit down and write. But when it started out, WoW to me was this whole different kind of game. It was this huge world, it, quests everywhere you looked, nothing, you know, something new to do around, you know, every other mountain range, all these different characters and, and, and storylines and abilities. And it, the, the biggest thing it opened up for me was socialization through gaming because I didn't play multiplayer games really. I might go to a land party now and then, but I never yeah. played online in any game until wow. Um, so opening up that world of, you know, there's other people, no, there's not just other people that play this game. There's other people that are going to play this game with you. They're going to help you. You're going mm. to go on these adventures together. Um, you've got this system of constantly leveling up, constantly getting better, constantly improving. You know, it's something to do when you have down downtime. It's something to absorb yourself into, which eventually became a problem for me. But mm -hmm. at the at the time when I started, um, it was this whole new experience. And to this day, I will still dip my toe into most MMOs just to see what they're like. I've played Guild Wars 2. I've played Star Wars The Old Republic. Um, I've played RuneScape. Um, I've I've tried all of these other games. And while I still try to avoid those really heavy investment um, MMOs, because I know I have a pro problem, mm -hmm. it's it, it it's still something like, like, like Valheim. I love Val Valheim. You probably wouldn't, you know, not really a traditional MMO, but it, it's still kind of tickles that itch a little bit yeah. because there's still a progression system. You're still playing with friends, but at the end of the day, there's nothing in there that's going to like toxically grab me. Like I know an MMO is going to, so it's safe for me. Um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, if I, I can, Oh, I, if you have a problem with alcohol and you drink a virgin drink, you're like, there's nothing here that's going to hurt me. It's just a taste, but it's, it's definitely something that taught me a lesson too to kind of like watch myself with things. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but that's, that's kind of my thing. It's, it, it taught, it taught me a lot about myself. It taught me a lot to watch myself, but also kind of opened the way for a lot of other experiences with games. Of course. Of course. Well, thank you for sharing that by the way. And like, I'm glad you're good and, and recognize it, which is, yeah. Cool. You know, the first step of the problem is recognizing it. Right. Well, thank you much, guys. Uh, Kibbles, why don't you go next, bud? What What do you got for us? Uh, okay, so my number three, I had to I had to really think because there, I play games that have fun, so like I never really think about it. So I really had to think about it. I think number three, one of them that really affected me was um, Harvest Moon on the Game Boy Color. I can't remember which Harvest Moon, but I remember it was on the Game Boy Color as a little kid. Mm -hmm. Um. For me, that was just a fun little relaxing game. Like I would play that game for hours on end, like on car trips in my home with friends. Yeah. I would sit there and play it. Granted, probably when I was little, I don't know what the fuck I was doing in that game. <laughs> I probably didn't grow anything. <laughs> I just probably knew, like, hey, this is just fun to chop, and I I like that. It was super relaxing. I definitely remember I couldn't figure out how the money system worked in that game. <laughs> But I was like, I had super fun. It was super relaxing for me. And I don't know what it was about. It it was it was just a very calm, relaxed game that I look for now, especially in like indie games. Mm -hmm. It's got me into like future games like Har like uh Stardew Valley or uh other games where it's like here's like resource management and you can just watch your progress grow and grow over time. Yeah. That was just something I loved watching. I like watching 
like seeing my hard work I form and be like so I start off with nothing and now I got this big enterprise and stuff. Of course. So for me, I that's one thing that incurs me. Uh my number two pick, I'm going to go with um Grand Theft Auto San Andreas for me. Oh it's hell because, yeah. Because for me it was I think like around maybe late teenage or like like probably from like early teenagers to like towards the end of high school was actually like a phase where I didn't play a lot of um video games because I didn't have the new system. I still had like a yeah. um GameCube and everything, so I didn't have a lot of the older ga- of newer games. And I think Grand Grand Theft Auto Andreas was one of the ones that brought out that helped me start reviving my love for video games. Uh, backstory on that: my neighbor was having a yard sale, and she was giving it. She was selling a PS2 with a copy of San, Grand Theft San Andreas. And granted, I never owned a PlayStation before, so I ended up buying that PlayStation Two. Best investment ever made. Yeah. Best and, background games right? ever. Don't at me. Oh yeah, no, I love the background games. But I bought that, and I bought uh, the Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, and I was stunned by how much big, how big it was. Because I've mm. been used to playing something like Simpsons Hit and Run and stuff like that, or Sonic Heroes for so long that I didn't think a game could be this yeah, big. Like, it. Taste that, I get it. Yeah. I'm like, dude, this is super huge. And I loved it. Like the story's fucking great in it. I love the characters. It was like one of the few things that showed me like, hey, you could have a good story. Cause like there are like parts in that game where I'm like, fuck, man, why would he I, do this to me? I'm just blown away that your metric at the time was Simpsons hit and run and Sonic <laughs> Heroes. Like mm. that's hey, it's the Simpsons game hit and run fun game as a kid. <laughs> That was a fun game as a kid. <laughs> oh, I, absolutely! I mean, there's some garbage in my in my. I love Pac-Man World too. It is not a, a good game, but my yeah, god, no. I enjoy playing it. Yeah, no, like I, I mean, like after like years, now that I'm grown, I'm like, okay, these are shit games, but they are so fucking fun to play. <laughs> I was like, I was like amazed by like how big it was, and then like there was like so much you can do in the game, and then there was like also. Like I think that was when San Andreas to start like putting in like mysteries. Like it was around that time where it's like, um, there's that Bigfoot that oh, like, Bigfoot's like there's in a there. Bigfoot yeah. in the game, yeah. yeah. Or and is then, that? Like, yeah. <laughs> Find out next episode. Yeah, it was like it was like it was, but yeah, it was like it was like I was so invested into that game, and I've replayed it so many times. Uh, I unfortunately lost the copy. I let oh. borrowed from one of my brother's friends, and I never got back. It's been like ten years. Don't never lend out a game when it is yeah. it, when it is ten years ago because you're not getting it back. Yeah, ten no, years, no. Ten years ago is a bad time to lend out games. Yeah, I lent out. I lent yeah. out. No, I'm still angry. I lent a coworker. I lent a coworker a copy of Resident Evil 2 on the PC, like the PC version of Resident Evil 2. Oh, that has so much additional content baked yeah. onto the disc. You can read 3D models as concept art. It is, in my opinion, the definitive version of Resident Evil 2. <laughs> this is the original Resident Evil 2, by the way. This is not the remake. This is the OG <laughs> Resident Evil 2. I lend it out. That fucker quit his job the next day. <laughs> he got what he wanted out of you. <laughs> 
he, only, a, he only worked there for the game. What a heist! Like, yeah, oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna get in. I'm gonna work for this company that sells business directories for the automotive industry. I'm gonna steal a single copy of Resident Evil Two, and then I'm gonna walk away. My 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 I original Kingdom Hearts. Somebody took it, and we were in a play together. And somehow they put it in their backpack, and they have they got makeup that's still all in it, <laughs> just a bunch of makeup all over it, and I still have it. The disc doesn't work, but well, I no, still I mean, have the original be, everything. That should be fine, right? There's that little square section in a PlayStation Two game case that's designed for like for you to put a compact in there or something, right? Right. right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I, still, I mean, yeah. I have the disc. It's just not usable now because the makeup messed it up. Ben, I will do you one better. My girlfriend borrowed an Xbox. 360 from one of our coworkers. We no longer work at that store. Wow! Wow! Oh, wow! Your girlfriend's the friend. That's that. She's that friend. <laughs> does your girlfriend have my PC copy of Resident Evil Two? She does not own a PC, so probably if, not. What if this is a quantum leap situation where they're just <laughs> borrowing games from someone, quitting, and then leaping into someone else's body? It's the it's it's the greatest crime. It's the ultimate con because you can never find. Because by the time they've already oh, stolen God. something, they've already leaped onto the next body. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like you're saying there's like a black market of people that like yeah. they borrow games from people, then they leave, and they're like, we just sell them back on the black yeah. market. It's like yeah. Okay. It's like okay, Al. Why am I here this time? Uh, Ziggy says you've got to borrow a copy of uh, Bubble Bubble on the NES. Uh, on Wednesday, and then leave the job by Friday. <laughs> this is going to be tough, but I think I can do it Thursday at the latest. Yeah. Oh my god, it's like modding in real life. It's like real life modding. Yeah, yeah. It is. All right. So I never got that game back, but like I still love that game. I'm still going to try to find myself a copy of it. I still oh. love it. Like it yeah. aims the best. But it's still one of the funnest games I've ever played. Oh, the only Grand Theft Auto game that has aged well is Vice City. And that's yeah. only because the 80s were just like that. Yeah, that's the 80s. And then oh, my, my number one choice has influenced all my recent games I bought. And that is The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt for mm. me. That is one. That's a pretty recent game to influence taste. It's, it's very is because it it there's so much love and care and detail into the game that I'm still learning about as like even though the game's been out for five years. Like, first off, I want to say it's a very beautiful game. It's like every place is like very, it's very different, and it age it's going to age really really well. Like you got girlfriend playing through right now. It's pretty. yeah yeah you got the Viking like the Viking setting islands of Skellige to the northern mountain wilderness of Cairmorin. To the slum cities in Novigrad, the swamp. Is this a song? Um, this is an Ian Jury and the Blockheads song. Are you going to start telling us to hit you with our rhythm yeah. stick? It's great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all the way, <laughs> and it goes like all the way down to like the fairy tale vineyards of Tucson. Oh, I get it. You know, from the gates we went to the shores of Tri- Tripoli. I get it. Yeah, went all the way to the shores. But it's a very beautiful game, and it was like this. Felt, I fell in love with the company because of because it's like it's very mm-hmm. beautiful. And also at the very at the same time, they put so much care and detail into the game. Like even into minor characters, they put details. Like there's mm. a mission where you run into a guy in Novigrad, and he's like an NPC. You only do like one thing, and that was it. But it's like, hey, I need to go. I want to go to Skelgarab and get this rare black pearl for my wife. And you agree, like, okay, I'm gonna go do it. You go all the way to Skelgarab, and then you go diving for black the black pearls. 
you get the black pearl, you give it to the guy. Black pearl. Like, yeah. Yeah. You give him the black pearl. He's like, oh, okay, I'm going to pay you. I'll meet you back in Novigrad. I'm going to give these to my wife. So you go all the way back to Novigrad, like two days later, you find a guy that you went there. Like, hey, I'm here to collect my reward. And like, oh, okay, here's your reward. And then you asked him, how's your wife? I'm like, the truth is, the real reason I had you do this is because my wife had dementia. And she always wanted the black pearls. And I was hoping you would bring back her memories and help me, like, help her remember me. Because that was the one thing we all loved. It didn't work. So here's a coin and have a good day. Wait, 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 wait. So why, why did this game, like, so from here on out, like, what, what, how did this game influence you on how you're going to well, buy or me, play it's, games? It's the level of details, but also the story and characters themselves. Like, they put so much character and detail into that one lone NPC. They didn't have to. He was like a one-off thing. He wasn't like in mm-hmm. like important to the main story. He's just a random NPC you found. But they gave him like an entire story into that one mission. I'm like, hey, yeah. it's here it is. Like, you're doing this because I'm trying to cure my wife's dementia and hoping this will remember her. Yeah, absolutely. So, so it's like a main character. And then so, everyone, yeah. So I'll go ahead, Sean. So basically this game hasn't influenced you so much as it's ruined you. <laughs> 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 like... You've like they because I know what you're ta- talking about. There's a quest that my girlfriend did. It's a, she just stumbled on it. This this old woman's like, there's this is this monster trying to it's eating my chickens. You gotta go get it. And that's her actual voice. I'm not being stereotypical there. That's the voice they used for her. They're like, sure, I'll go see what's going on. And you go <laughs> with these three kids, like saying that like we're oh we lost them. Oh, we lost them. Yeah, okay. don't worry. Oh. You 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 run you run back and you tell her and you're like maybe you should adopt them. She's like, no, no, I don't think about it. And the next time you come across her, she she is she's basically become like the grandma to these kids. You get no experience for, for the quest. You yeah. get no rewards. It's just this little oh you help this old lady. The the and there's quests like that all over the game, like you said, like these little details. Where it's like this these characters genuinely mean nothing this did nothing for you but it makes the world seem real and it's ruined you because you're not used to that level of detail you can expect that going forward and you've opened yourself to a life of disappointment <laughs> yeah let's go with that but it's i i do love it i love that amount of detail because i like i feel so connected to the characters now like i like i'm so invested into all of it and they even put in like stuff for um they even put in like their own folklore into the game. Like, yeah, they're like one of the DLC expansions called Blood and Wine. You have to travel to Tucson, and one of the first things you get into the land is you see a knight fighting this giant, this like massive giant that like bursts through a windmill at the very first sign. Yeah, and apparently he's like he's like they based the monster off some story in a Pol- uh, Polish uh, story, like folklore. And you Godzilla, could just right. kill it. Yeah, Godzilla. Apparently, yeah, Apparently, like, you can kill it. Like, you can obviously just do the regular route and kill it with, like, a sword. Yeah. But in their folklore, they ended up killing it in the story with someone shooting an arrow into his eye, and that was it. Absolutely. And you can do that in the game. It's like, you can literally, like, just pull out the crossbow, shoot it in this. It wears, like, a barrel on his head, but there's, like, one hole that's, like, this big for his eye. You shoot directly in the eye, it's an instant kill. It just goes yeah. down onto there. That, d- yeah, details like that are appreciated because they, because not, you, you know, they did their homework. 
someone was like, well, let's, let's do the homework. That's like, there's, this is a weird set uh, segue. There's a, a scene in um, the Disney movie Atlantis um, where they're criticizing the cook because he, he didn't break a lot, like a lot of variety of food. It's the scene where he's like, I got your four basic food rooms, beans, bacon, whiskey, and lard. Uh, she says, Oh, it's, you need, you know, the men need their four basic food groups. And I'm like, aren't there, aren't there more than that? Turns out at that time period, that's what they thought there was. There was only four. I'm like, Oh, Oh, someone did their homework. Yeah. Oh, I'm not used to that. Yeah. Like everyone in this, everyone, like everything in this game, like so everyone did their homework for it. Yeah. And I like it. Obviously there's still bugs that somehow managed to live like the last five years. <laughs> Bugs a 3D project game? Oh, that's shocking. <laughs> How dare you, Scott? Right. How dare you imply that? Yeah, like, I would say, like, there's some bugs still in it, but it's like, it doesn't deter from, like, me. I'm still, like, engulfed in the world. I'm engulfed in the lore and everything in there. And yeah, what Sean says Ruin is now. That's a good list. Well, I now, like, trying to find in, like, in, like, more games. Like, the closest I mean, uh, thing I could come up to is like Red Dead Two was one of the closest I could come up with. I'm yeah. not saying it's like I it has like that amount of detail, yeah. but I can tell it has that amount of love put into the game. Yeah, and like, that's what I'm now looking for. Yeah, some of the Elder Scrolls games like Oblivion and kind of Skyrim have a little bit of that texture, but it's not as as rich as The Witcher Three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's my those those books, are my top three, and I think. Witcher 3 has currently influenced most of the way I'm looking at games right now. Can I ask you guys like a quick question? Are there any no. games? Are there any games? Okay. Shut up, Tyler. Who show do you think this is? Are there any of those games where you, mine. Just, where you just go back to an NPC just to see how they're doing? You're like, they're going to have the exact same dialogue as before. I just want to go and see them and be like, I see you and I came uh, back uh, for you and walk away. Uh, I will do you one better. Pokemon Gold and Silver, you can get phone numbers from certain characters. And they'll just yep. call you up and be oh, like, yeah. hey, how you doing? I yeah. almost caught a Poliwhirl the other day. My oh, Raptor's big and strong. Well, bye. Billy, uh, Billy on Route 10. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, I caught Pyro. You want a battle? Come back and Which visit me. They did that because there are certain NPCs that will tell you pertinent information. Yeah. Some of them will. It, before they had the versus tracker where, where you can like redo battles, some of them are like, hey, um, do you want to do a rematch? Come find me a route, whatever. Hey, there's a lot of this kind of Pokemon right yeah, now. Yeah, I, 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 I'm playing through Gold and Silver right now. My girlfriend Mandy and I are doing what we're calling a shared custody run on Twitch. Where we're but we're playing gold and silver together, and if one of our Pokemon, if one of our Pokemon gets uh, uh, faints during combat, we have to trade it to the other player. Um, and one of the first hikers you encounter in the game gives you his phone number, and I'll be just out. I'll be like trying to like um, like grind a Pokemon to level him up, and I'll get this phone call from the hiker being like, "Hey, how are you doing? My Geo dude is big. Uh, the uh, Dark Cave has a bunch of." Zubat in it. You should check it's it out. Coming. Bye. It's Zubat. I've got 50 of them. <laughs> I didn't catch them. They just follow me. It's yeah, this just... cologne I'm wearing. <laughs> oh my god. Right, so well, getting into that, Ben, what are what, what are some games that really influenced you growing up? Yeah, so kind of my three most influential games. Keeping in mind, I was born in 86 in the UK and the computer that I had I couldn't kind tell. Of, it's, it's the hair that gives it away. Um, and the 
the system that I had that we we had a bunch of different consoles when I was a kid. We I had a Game Boy, I had a, a Super Nintendo, and a couple of other things. But like the system that I had consistently in the house as a kid was the Commodore Amiga, which was kind of the oh, successor yeah. to the Commodore sixty four. And in fact, oh. for those of you watching video. I have an Amiga 1200 right here with a custom yeah. blue case. It's amazing. Oh. This Listen is to all the kids out there. Consoles used to just look like keyboards, and I'm yeah. just not a joke. Look them up. This is this is still my pride and joy. I love playing games on this thing. Um, is that how is that how controllers used to look like TV remotes? Uh, that, this was uh, had a real mouse, had a real joystick. Uh, a, a joypad was released later. They tried to do a, a gaming system called the CD32. Yeah, it's not a success. I have the, <laughs> have controllers for those. So most of my gaming is kind of through that lens. And two of these, the three games on my list are from the Amiga. The first one is actually a game that I think a lot of people will have played. It's The Secret of Monkey Island. Yeah, um, buddy. So. <laughs> oh, I when I was when I was like four or five years old, uh, the games that I played the most were uh, I think I played a lot of Lemmings, which is still to this day like my favorite real time strategy game. It is a real time strategy game. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Um, and <laughs> the Thundercats game for the Amiga, which if you look it up, it's like what if what if what? we made like ghouls and goblins, but very bad? Like that's the Thundercats game. It is it is a train wreck. But I loved it because I love Thundercats, and I also loved games. And a Thundercat game has to be good. It has to be good. It has to be good. There must be something I'm missing. It has to be good. Any argument to the contrary is wrong. The game yes. is good. Period. Thundercats is good. Why wouldn't the game be good? Because people make bad games. But when you're four, every game is great all the time, forever. But the game that really kind of blew my mind as a kid was The Secret of Monkey Island. And the reason it blew my mind was it the, the visuals were just gorgeous, even on the Amiga version, which I think is like at most maybe 16 to 32 colors at a time on the screen. The, the visuals were gorgeous. The story, like this, the, the guy brush sleeper who, who wants to become a pirate and the things that he does and the people he meets along the way, that drew me in. And as a kid, because because it was on floppy disks, because it was old computers, there's no voice track, there's no dialogue. Yeah. That's something that wouldn't happen for games regularly until you know the CD-ROM era in the kind of the, the early '90s. So at this time, I was not a big reader. I think like four or five years old, I was not reading much. I I I, I was kind of very stubbornly not learning how to read. Suddenly there's this game that my cousin Andy is playing and I want to know what's going on. So now, well, now I have to learn to read. I have to do it. And only did I learn to read, I ended up in an accelerated reading course because I ended up <laughs> I ended up kind of overtaking everyone in school in terms of like reading aptitude. How it, did it, I learn these big words? It's really <laughs> it's, funny. It's, like what is a guy brush? A guy brush? <laughs> a shitty pi pi pirate. That's what guy brush yeah. is. Uh you know, it, it's really funny when people like shit on games for like not being, you know, oh, they're just toys. They're nothing important. Mm. Most of my childhood, my we didn't have a computer when I was, but when I was in ki kindergarten, this was like ninety, God, kindergarten ninety six, ninety seven, maybe ninety six had to be. Um, my kindergarten te teacher told my parents, Sean needs to have a computer because there's a lot of games out there that really boost up education and. Not to toot my own horn, she was like, "He's he does really good in school. I think he'd really benefit from these." We're like, "Well, you know, we really don't have the money." My kindergarten teacher bought my family our first PC. Oh wow, wow, wow. what a teacher! Right, that's and amazing. We got, I, remember. Uh, I don't remember the computer. The operate the the OS was Windows ninety five. Um, a good OS Stands at the time. Reason. But um, I that's remember, yeah, you know. 
growing up in a religious household, my first games were Bible Man. Um, <laughs> and Son of Bible Man. <laughs> Bible Man, who's, who, could only, who could only replenish his powers by p- praying at an altar uh, and could not attack or defend unless while at said altar, he remembered the prayers that call God's word the sword and shield. It was a very ham-fisted game. Um, uh, I want to speed run it now. I need to speed run it. <laughs> Oh well, my then, god. Then there was also all the Jumpstart games, like Jumpstart third grade with yeah. uh uh Botley on Mystery Mountain, which is the best game ever, uh, ever made on that era. Don't don't at me. Um <laughs> those but those games like 100% like you said, like they were the reason that like all through elementary school I did a lot of accelerated yeah. pro- programs because those things you're like shit. I want to learn how to read and how to do all yeah. these things better because they're going to help me complete the challenges better. Yeah. But but most of that point like the Secret of Monkey Island was the first game I played that, oh, there's actually, like, there's a narrative to this. It's not just, oh, I need to finish the level and then I can play as the next, you know, next planeteer in the Pe- Captain Planet game. <laughs> it, was, it was literally like, oh, you have to follow the story to find this item and do this thing and speak to this person to get the rubber chicken with the pulley in the middle to get Meat Hook to join your crew. And it's like, the, the as a, it just, as a kid, it was like, oh, games can be this. Games don't have to be punch, punch, bang, bang, zoom, zoom. They can be about people and they can have a story and dialogue and someone, someone's job is to write that dialogue. I I think I want to be a writer. Like that's, like Monkey Island is is like the, of, of my writing career, it is the spine of my writing wow. career. Monkey Island, I, Monkey Island is my Star Wars. It is the thing I obsessed over as a kid. It's the thing I drew doodles of. There were no action figures or... Uh, like books or anything for Monkey Island, so I kind of had to like make up my own stuff. Um, and I've played every game in the Monkey Island series up to and including the Tales from Monkey Island that uh, uh, Telltale's put out uh, a couple of you know about a de- decade and, and change ago. Um, so Monkey Island is kind of the 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 kind of first game. I'm we're doing these in release order, by the way. Absolutely. Okay. The second game is a turn-based strategy game. Tyler already knows what it's what it's going to be. It is Worms. Yes, Worms. <laughs> Worms originally came out uh, in Europe in time for Christmas 1995. Um, the version we got, we got the Amiga version in January of 1996. I know this because it was a present for my dad for his birthday, and I spent more time playing it than he ever did. Um, that was like every kid yeah. when you're little. That's every yeah. kid. Your dad gets a game like. I'm going to go play it. <laughs> yeah, I I would never have bought King's Quest 3 on my own, but I spent a lot of time playing King's Quest 3. Um, but Worms was... I played, a, again, I, I played a lot of games. I played a lot of platform games. I played a lot of puzzle games. I played a lot of strategy games. One of my favorite other strategy games is Cannon Fodder, which, again, a fantastic real-time strategy game. Don't uh, at me if I'm, if I'm going to steal people's words here. Um, Worms was... One of the first games I remember playing where it's not, this is a set level. This is a set arena where people are fighting. The maps are randomly generated. It was the first game I remember that wasn't a story-driven game like Monkey Island, like Sam and Max Hit the Road, that had a sense of humor about itself. Uh, I remember my dad trying, trying the training mode and selecting the bazooka and going to hit a target. And instead of holding down the space button to charge it up with as much power as he wanted, he just tapped it. He blew it. He blew himself up. The worm called him stupid, and we fell about laughing for four minutes and 27 seconds. <laughs> it, 
<laughs> Worms is, is it's one of those strategy games that is it's it's simple to learn and difficult to master. And the fact that you know that it's one of the greatest turn-based strategy games ever made, in my opinion. And the fact that you know uh, there have been a number of different sequels. The most recent one is uh, kind of a real-time. Uh, uh, Battle Royale game called Worms Rumble. Uh, the last turn-based strategy was Worms WMD back in 2016. Um, Worms Armageddon came out in 1999, is widely considered to be the definitive game in the series, and is still getting software updates to this day because of fans. Like th- These are games that have a voracious and, uh, and, and all-abiding love of what this game is because it is so much fun, because it has so much replay value, not just in terms of like, randomly generated maps but you can build your own maps people have built their own game modes by like changing settings and um and it is one of those games where it it feels like even now like particularly with worms armageddon which is at this point it's going to be 21 years old this year uh, 22 years old this year sorry my apologies it is a game that still has a very active community that just it feels like it's it keeps growing and i think a big part of that is the fact that it is on sale on steam for like 349 like half of the year Wait, um, really? yeah like yeah. you can pick i mean it's 15 bucks normally but it frequently goes on sale for like uh three bucks 49 um i and i it's one of the things that when it goes on sale i find someone i know who doesn't own it and i buy it at them it's really the only Take you it. know i it's one of my fa- it's it's one of my favorite turn-based strategy games and it's one that's kind of informs the the nonsense that i do like, i still make uh, and create content for a version of Worms that came out for the Amiga in 1997 called Worms the Director's Cut. It only sold 5,000 copies. I own two of them. <laughs> so, you know, I, I make content for a version of the game that no, no, no one can play anymore outside of an emulator or a very well-maintained Amiga. Um, and there are other people who have that level of, of passion and dedication to it. And it was really, it was also the first game where I found the online fan base and found the online community and made friends through that community and um, met people and hung out with people. And um, it's, it's, it's a very special game to me. It's not just in terms of like how much fun it is and how kind of it has this endless replayability value. It is, it is a game that is kind of very important to me from a social perspective as well. Just the the impact that it's had on my, uh, on my wider social circle and the shape of my life. Like it's one of the things that came with me when I went, when I moved from England to the U S um, the third and final game of the three games. And you can tell it's the last one because it's third um, is uh, the legend of Zelda, a link to the past on the super Nintendo. Nice. Oh, now, I never owned A Link to the Past. I did not own my own copy of A Link to the Past until it came out for the Game Boy Advance. But I got to play it on a friend's Super Nintendo. I keep in mind, I had not heard of heard of Zelda before. I hadn't played any of the NES games. Um, at this point, Link's Awakening had come out, but I had not seen it or heard of it. I think I'd maybe seen the box art in uh, like you know Woolworths or or GameStop or whatever when I was a kid, but didn't know what it was. And then suddenly a friend of mine is showing me his Super Nintendo games and he shows me Legend of Zelda and he pops it in. And then he, his mom calls him to do something. And so he says, okay, just entertain yourself um, and I'll be right back. And he was gone for what felt like seven short ice ages. Um, <laughs> but he left me with his copy of A Link to the Past with three save files, all of which had been 100 percented Oh, my God. So oh. I just load one of them up and I just explore the world. I explore the dark world. I explore Hyrule. Just, just. Imagine just being dropped into the world of A Link to the Past and just being, 
given the opportunity to just go wherever you want, do whatever you want. And that that was my first exposure to A Link to the Past, just having this world that I could explore. Um, and I had never had that kind of experience in a video game before. Like, Monkey Island is kind of the closest I think I'd had to that, but that's still very kind of, you know, those are basically rooms that are joined with bits of string, whereas this was a whole world that you could go into. There were, there were, there were dungeons and caves and a, a huge desert and a village and an evil version of that village that's been abandoned. And, and I, I just exploring the world of that game was, was a trip, but then discovering that there is like a mirror version of that world. That is the, what, what at the time I realized oh, that's the light version. That is what I now know is that's Hyrule. Um, and that there are alternate versions, like as someone who grew up, uh, watching like Doctor Who and Quantum Leap and Sliders and discovering, oh, there's a parallel universe version of this. That's amazing. And I ended up borrowing his cartridge. I never started my own game. I did not start my own game. I just spent in his saves just exploring the world of A Link to the Past. Um, and when I did eventually get my own copy... Wait, did, I, did you I ever give his back, though? Uh, no, funnily enough, uh, I quit the job that we both worked yeah. at together. <laughs> no, that's not true. No, um, he, he did get no. his copy back. Um, I moved away. I moved away. I still have it. right here. <laughs> Sorry, I can't give you your game back. I've suddenly died. Um, yeah. uh, Came down with a bad I, case of dead. I got a new, and, uh, I, I got a new I, job. I, my... I got a new job in new season, in another city. You're, you're seven years old. Yeah, I, I got a... Yeah, it's a real bitch. Man, the op- that office job. Is... Those, uh, those facts. Anyway. You know, I'll, I'll mail it back to you. I'll mail it back to you. I'll mail it back to you, big <laughs> wink. Oh, you didn't wink. Oh, no, but I did say it, which means I'm not going to do it. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> That's the silent agreement, but yeah. not silent. So, yeah, when I played, when I finally got the Game Boy Advance version, um, I I fell in love with it all over again because I got to experience the story for the first time and I got to kind of discover how you organically unlock, if you like, parts of that world. And... Um, and then, I mean, no, before that, I'm, am I forgetting this? For, before that, um, when I had my first Game Boy, well, not my first Game Boy, my second Game Boy, I got a Game Boy Pocket for Christmas in 1998, and I bought, used at a little market stall in England, a copy of Link's Awakening. And I played that when I came to Los Angeles to visit my dad for three months. I played Link's Awakening start to finish on the flight. And, and again, just like, that same feeling that I'd got playing uh, A Link to the Past, just the idea of there's this huge sprawling world and I get to discover it. And then I went through that again with the Game Boy Advance version. I got to appreciate everything that they'd done with the Super Nintendo version of A Link to the Past um, to the point now where the Zelda games are among my favorite games of all time. Like A Link to the Past kind of established for me that you can have, you can fit a world that big onto a cartridge that small. And I just, I, I, I love it. I love it so much. Those, those are my three games. It, it makes me feel so good when I hear people love on Zelda so much because not going to lie, I'm a little jealous of it because my, I, I knew about Ocarina of Time growing up. I had friends who owned it, friends who played it. Um, I didn't have an N64 for a long time. And then when I got it, I, I just never got those single player games, you know, I had four, I had, by, by the time I got it, I had three other siblings. My parents didn't want me to have single player games. Really. They wanted multiplayer stuff. So we could all yeah. play it, play together. Yeah. Um, you got your Mario Kart and your smash brothers and what have you smash brothers, Mario Kart, Pokemon stadium. Um, you know, Tony Hawk pro pro skater. 
Um, so I, I never had. I, I'm very disappointed by the way that they never released Tony Hawk Semi Pro Skater or <laughs> Pro Am Skater, where you try to do a trick and you always you always go ass over tit and smash your face. And go, Fuck! <laughs> yeah. That should be like that should be like a okay. or something. I'll try it again. <laughs> but like I, I knew some like my, the the first and only one of two Zelda games I've ever beaten was Ocar- um, Oracle of Seasons. Mm, yeah, um, I love Oracle of Ages. I prefer, but Oracle of Seasons is very good. Yeah, see, like I always knew there were two, and I actually had the game guide, which had mm. Oracle of Ages, Oracle of Seasons, and the Delta, like the Delta episode when you played both, and then yeah, put them both on the same save, so there was like a third story to play. Yeah. Um, but um, there was also okay. God, I feel so bad. What's the one that came out? The, the handheld one that came out recently. Where you could go 2D and like. Oh, uh, a link between worlds. It's the one that's a sequel to Link to the Past. Yes. And the thing is, I own Link to the Past. I have played it so many times. I have never beaten it. I always get stuck somewhere, have no idea what the hell I'm supposed to do, and give up. Link between worlds and Oracle Seasons are the only ones I've ever beat. And it makes me so sad because I know people love those games so much. And I've just never gotten myself into that. Mm into that niche of like yeah oh yeah i love these these games are great i'm just like i know they're good i just wish i was better i i genuinely think ocarina of time is the worst first zelda experience a human can have because i i I, I think i I, i'm about to say something that i think is quite controversial i want to preface it with i love ocarina of time i think it is an amazing game it is not a good zelda game it's not a good zelda game because zelda games for me and again i admit i'm colored by my first experience with the link to the past Zelda games for me are about these large sprawling worlds that you get to explore and you get to make discoveries and you get to find cool shit. Ocarina of Time is like three or four different locations bolted onto a field. And it's not that it's a bad game. Ocarina of Time is an amazing game. It's just, it's what, the 90s was an era where games were making the transition from 2D to 3D. And while Ocarina of Time is a fun action RPG, it is not a Zelda game. It doesn't feel like any of the Zelda games uh, up to that point. The first, the first game I would argue is the closest to a Zelda game in 3D is Wind Waker, and even that is artificial because it's all a large yeah. sea. Yeah, I started island. off with I started off with Wind Waker as a kid. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the worst one to probably start off with would be Breath of the Wild because I, you have that expectation, but then you're like, hey, you should go back and play like. You should go back and play the old ones. You're like, oh, this isn't what I was expecting. But but what I think is, I think if you're starting with Breath of the Wild and then you go back to, say, A Link to the Past or Link's Awakening or the original Legend of Zelda on the NES, like, Breath of the Wild is a natural evolution of that concept. And Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, um, less so, I think, Twilight Princess, because I think they do manage to get the scale thing, but it is still, like, world, field, more world over here. Um if you're playing Breath of the Wild and you go back and check out Link to the Past, that feels like an organic change. I don't feel like Ocarina of Time, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask and uh, Twilight Princess, Wind Waker, all of those games feel kind of like also ran Zelda games that I really, really love, but aren't, aren't quite Zelda um, other than aesthetically. Okay, okay. All right. Really, uh, really quick, we'll get to t- Tyler in a sec. To, to bring it, he's just going to say Kingdom Hearts three times. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, <laughs> very, very much. Just no. c- connecting our Legend of Zelda to our joke about not giving back games. Uh, I has this. Oh, uh, my God. I've been is, looking for that for you. No, <laughs> is is not mine. You. 
Um, which is funny because right on the back it says Blockbuster Video. Uh, kids, that's a very old store. Um, per purchased back in uh, August 23rd of 1999. I hope purchased and not rented. Otherwise, this is very overdue. Uh, and the name at the top says Mike Harris. <laughs> this is Mike who <laughs> writes for the network. This is his. He lent this to me 10 years ago. Does he know you still have it? <laughs> uh, if he remembers, he might not know. So, Mikey, See, if you've been looking for this, I've still got it, buddy. <laughs> the difference is, is like, you still talk to Mike. <laughs> it's, it's, I know, He's right? He's part of it's, our it's network. It's on my gaming shelf. <laughs> right next to my other N64 cartridges. Tyler, oh, let's right. get to you. I know we're going long. Yeah, it's okay. Okay, so uh, I'm not going to take very long. Uh, I think I've talked about this stuff before. And, of course, I stream. So if Wrap you want to know more. Wrap it up. Wrap I, it I, up know, I know. I know. I'm sorry. Come on. Oh. Um, so, uh, my, my first one was going to be Pokemon Red and Blue. Uh, I'm going to change it though a little bit. I, I'm going to say green. Green. It was Pokemon green. I had no idea what was it's happening green. the entire time. Yeah. So I learned Japanese. Japanese. Just for Never it. released to America. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, the, I think the first one I'll say, uh, which was on my list last time is, uh, Paper Mario. I was so excited for this game. I was never good at Mario games before. By the way, kids, uh, uh drink. Yeah, right. I said Paper Mario. <laughs> but uh, I'll say Paper Mario because I did a lot of research beforehand. I read every single issue of anything uh, to prep for it, and it's still delivered. And I think for me, it has this whole thing where, like, if I do a lot of research and a lot of love and, and stuff, it, it opened the door for not only um, having a 3D RPG game, uh, you know, this is essentially before, like, because I didn't really, like, you know, I guess this will be after Final Fantasy VII, but, like, I, I didn't have anything PlayStation, so my first like like RPG like tur like turn ta uh you know um oh my god what is it called again uh oh my god uh, turn based turn based turn based game was like Paper Mario and because I got my N sixty four way later on and I and he's so, had it for he's had it for nearly four months now yeah yeah it's crazy <laughs> and so you guys um, heard of this game called Pokemon Stadium it's wild. It's a fantastic, you guys. Quest sixty four might be the the best new game. Don't no. do not trip. Quest sixty four is is a genuine club banger. <laughs> no, I, I I played it years later on an emulator. It was fantastic. But anyways, so Paper Mario will be my number one because of not only just the research and like looking into it, it was the first time of me like actually like as a kid looking up news for this upcoming game and uh and everything i just loved so much about it, it was so crafty and cool and different and so uh it would definitely be that one the second one um what influenced me and like what how i play games now would i would honestly say persona 4 uh the original one persona 4 is the first game where i actually like really cared about the soundtrack there are a lot of games out there that were had fantastic soundtracks but when Persona 4 came out in 2008, I was in college, and I it was the end of the PS2, where I didn't get a PS3, and I it kind of like got me like really excited to go back to a PS2, when Xbox 360 was well, in, and the Wii were well into their life, and so it, it was really cool for Persona 4, not only with the soundtrack, because it came with it, uh, it influenced me because now I really look for games that honestly has like really immersive soundtracks and something that I actually can use to study, to focus, or do a lot of other things. Because nowadays I go to when I when I'm editing our videos or our podcasts and stuff like that, I always have 
game, uh, game music, video game music in the background because I'm severely ADHD. So the fact you? that Persona, yeah, no. So, no. The that, so the fact that Persona Four has a C had a CD with it, and I listened to the music. I I listened that when I was studying for so long until I just started um, legally downloading uh, video game soundtracks and studying to those. But yeah, so I would say that Persona Four not only because of music and the influence of that, also because it's the first game that I played that was longer than sixty hours. And I still loved it. And it was the first time when I was ADHD, and it was hard for me to get in, in like, to actually honestly play a game for, for a long time. Kingdom, before this game, Kingdom Hearts was the only game where I could Drink. actually play more than five hours at a time. Persona 4, when I first got it, I, I played it for, I think, like almost 10 hours on that Saturday. I don't think I, it, and so that was it. It, it. it influenced me because now I love and, and I'm obsessed with games that go on forever and also games with soundtracks. And so the final one will be Mass Effect, something where you get choices, something where something Ooh. keeps Topical going too. And, and actually matters Tropico later too. on. Topical. Tropico too. I know, I was making a fun joke. Tropical. I know, it was amazing. And, um, and yeah, but so Mass Effect for something that has to do with, with, this, with decision making and stuff, which was always there before, but Mass Effect hit it really hard. Uh, that actually like helps me play things nowadays, like especially RPGs, where I thought it would never influence me all that much before. Because again, you may you had to make decisions in games before, but for something about Mass Effect that made things feel weighted. Where now, I, when I actually play a game, I don't just be like, all right, whatever. I don't, yeah, I don't care. Number uh, A, I don't. If I if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But Mass Effect now, like. I actually take uh, decisions a lot, seri- a lot more seriously. And yeah, I, otherwise you don't get to bone the the androgynous space alien that you want to bone down. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Especially her name is Tolly, yeah. and you can only fuck her in the second game. Thank you. <laughs> I love Tolly. She's waifu. Um, but yeah, no, I, those for me are the three and uh, most influential games, and the reasons, and the the reasons why. Not Kingdom Hearts. It was drink. Yeah. So, but Pokemon was gonna be the first one for me. So because it, it taught me. Had to do things outside of the story. I, I'm shocked that every game you chose was an RPG. Yeah, I, I love RPGs. That's yeah. I, oh games. yeah. Uh, so. I'm disappointed that none of the games anyone else picked uh, were worms. But you know what? That's okay. I love worms. Right. You know what? My only experience with worms is watching Achievement Hunter pl- play it. Mm. <laughs> it. I, I, I played it all the time. I kid. haven't played worms. I I will say this to Tyler, and I've said this to Tyler before. I would love to do a Grand Geek Gathering Worms Armageddon tournament. Tyler, I, I will be down. Just get it. Listen, buy it on Steam. Yeah. The what most is- you'll pay for it is fifteen dollars, and the least you'll pay for it is three forty nine. Buy the I- game, play the game, lose at the game because I'm going to win the game. Yeah. You just lost the game. I won. Oh. I won one. <laughs> Anyways. Thank you, everyone, for watching today. Uh, it's been great hearing everybody's favorite games, seeing what's influenced our tastes and all of our interests over the years. Uh, don't forget to check out Gamer Culture everywhere you can find us. Gamer Culture, one word, culture with a K. You can find us over at GamerCulture.com, where we have a huge backlog of videos, podcasts, and gaming articles. You can find us on Instagram, uh, fa- Facebook, and Twitter. And you can find, of course, Gamer Culture content all over the GrandGeekGathering.com. Kibbles, where can they find you, buddy? You can find me on Instagram at KibblesPlays, and you can also find me on Twitch.tv slash KibblesPlays. Awesome. Short and succinct. I love it. Yep. Ben, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on the, the media's social at Ben Padden, P-A-D-D-O-N. Uh, if you want to listen to the Doctor Who role-playing game podcast, we are playing uh, the Doctor Who role-playing game. It's an actual play podcast. We have our own Doctor with our own companions. You can find that 
uh, by just going to theabersavaratanisondrevinitskontondreban.gov. Or, if I'm not tripping over my tongue, you can go to adventuresintimeand.space or just search for The Game of Rassilon in your podcasting apparatus of preference. <laughs> Tyler, take, take us away. Thank you for listening. And you can check out all of our shows and offerings on thegrankygathering.com, or you can also subscribe here and see all of our videos or follow us on all the podcast apps. But on our website, we do have other videos, podcasts, and articles. We can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and we have our own Discord. So let us know if you want to join. And I stream on Twitch. But yeah, thank you again. Come join the gathering. Wear a mask. Have a great weekend. GGG. GG. And stay cultured. And stay cultured. Keep forgetting to do that.